The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. Johnny Sestina and Company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. I need help getting out of my student loan debt. I'm so worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my parents? When's a good time to get into the market? I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I can retire. It's time to talk about your money. Managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you to create better financial habits. Envision your long-term goals and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of Johnny, Sestina, and Company are on deck to show you the way. Hello and welcome to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. This is your host, Cole Hammock. I'm joined in the studio today by fellow certified financial planner, Spencer Hager, and we're joined by John Sestina. How are we doing today, gentlemen? Doing great. Especially Spencer, you must be doing really great. I'm doing fantastic for no particular reason. I feel good. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just off his honeymoon. That's why he's feeling great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Tell, tell us a little bit about it. Where'd, yeah. you, where'd you go? Where'd you guys go? Yeah, we did the Bahamas. It was a great time. First time being there. And uh, water was fantastic. And uh, I feel lighter, more prepared to tackle the world. And uh, good for today's show. So I appreciate that's you a, asking. That's a very smart answer if Hannah listens to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she that, doesn't. That, <laughs> The water's really clear, isn't it? Oh, it's great. And those white beaches are really amazing. Yeah, pictures don't do them justice. No, that's they for sure. don't. That's how I lost my finger, you know. Sands? I, I was swimming in the water, and one of those Shark. sharks came up. Actually, it was a barracuda. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, you got to stay away from those barracudas. They fish with teeth. They're just creepy. No, they are ugly. But <laughs> and of course, I'm exaggerating. You guys know that, but the audience yeah. may not. Yeah. So. Yeah. But they are ugly, though. That part's not an exaggeration. Yeah, that part is no exaggeration. <laughs> All right, well, hey, to uh, keep with the trend of me running these radio shows, uh, I want to start off with a question that, that loosely ties into the theme to, to get the juices flowing a little bit. And my, my question to you is, what's the largest pitfall you've seen in a financial plan or just a, a general pitfall you see in many financial plans? Spencer, we'll start with you because you're a little bit younger. We'll get over to John, and then I'll, I'll close out. So any pitfall? Um, yeah, I'll be honest. I'll try and think of my feet. I mean, the very broad answer that probably doesn't answer the question directly is just uh, people not necessarily knowing what they're striving for, and so you end up making a lot of uh, mistakes. I know we talk a lot on the show about not having the right goals or knowing what Mm -hmm. the goals are, so if you don't know that, that's going to mess things up a little bit. More personal, specific answer, I don't know why it is. I talk to a lot of people that meet with like a family friend who tells them to put the maximum amount to their health savings account every year to get the tax deduction. It's always the family friend. And then you talk to them like two years later, and they want to spend all the money in the health savings account because they don't know why they put the money in it to begin with. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a common one. Uh, that's a good one. What about you, John? You've been doing this for a little while. A little while, and probably the greatest uh, pitfall is that people think uh, differently about what this is. This financial planning is not just retirement planning. And it's not just investment planning. And from that regard, I'm glad the market is way down. Maybe it'll shake some people up. But the truth is, what financial planning is, is always anticipating and planning, like you were saying, Spence. You want to set your goals, whatever they are, and you have goals now and later. For example, during this inflationary time, a part of the goal may be you still want to buy a house. And you can still do that. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, housing prices will be coming down if they're not down already from the rage we had just a few weeks ago. So that's going to happen. So if you're going to buy a new house, you have to sit there and plan in advance 
what's it going to cost? And don't tell me just the down payment. That's the least of your concerns. That's <laughs> how they get you. They do, yep. but you have to look at all the other attendant costs, like is there a HOA? Uh, HOA? Are mm -hmm. you going to worry about that association fees? What about the maintenance? What about other charges? What about so many things that are a part of the cost? And so people do not anticipate those things. They don't plan for them. And so as a result, they put themselves under financial pressure and they then resort to their credit cards, which then puts more pressure and they keep adding other goals like I'm going to educate my kid. I don't know why you do that these days, but uh, they're going to educate their kid or you want to buy a new car. Yeah. Okay. And today that's a pretty expensive proposition. It's not like it used to be. So anticipation planning is now it's financial planning is now and into the future, including your retirement, but it's not investing. It's not just retirement planning. I, I love, I, I could not have set the stage for today any better. Uh, so <laughs> I, I want as much as possible for the conversation today, but to be very comprehensive. So I think a lot of our financial planning, our shows are very specific. So we're talking about one topic, but today <clears throat> I want to run through the gamut of financial planning as we talk through pitfalls, because it's not just in one piece right it's across the various facets or various aspects of a financial plan so that's a great lead in i love that uh, and then mine uh, i'm going to pick on disability insurance so it's a, a step away from the general ones you guys put together so lack of goals lack of a plan but i've seen a lot of gaps in disability insurance over the years so people thinking maybe their employer plan's sufficient or thinking their income's fully covered but uh, we often find that it's not so we'll get into all these uh, a little bit more as we get into the show but I do want to talk one brief current event today, and that's really it. So normally we start this first segment. We're talking current events the whole time. I really want to get into the, the meat of the topic. So the elephant in the room is June inflation. See, oh, we're having inflation? Is that what you're saying? Oh, okay. <laughs> Has, it hasn't let up, John. <clears throat> I see. All right. Uh, so the, the CPI, or the Consumer Price Index, which is a broad measure of inflation, is up 9.1% from June 2021 through June 2022. Yeah. So that's higher than analysts were expecting, about 8.8, .8, and May figures were 8.6. So, John, I know you've been doing this for a, a little while now. This is, these are 40-year highs. Do you think the number is going to keep creeping up, or do we think maybe we're at a peak? How are we feeling? Well, I think I'm back to the future. Remember that movie? It's a great one. Ooh. Okay. Inflation at that time was just about this, wasn't mm -hmm. it? It sure was. And so we're enjoying a repeat here. And having lived it once, I don't want to live it again, but I guess I'm stuck like all the rest of the people are. <laughs> so I, I don't think we're done yet until the administration is ready to make some changes and they are not, then we're going to keep going up at inflation. And that's a big challenge for most of America. I think, you know, my dad was a coal miner and we grew up with no money. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so I remember the days when he was trying to stretch his money from his paycheck and he would take extra jobs at night or do whatever he could to survive to pay for four boys. Uh, I can't imagine the stress people are under now. You go buy groceries. You guys buy groceries in your house? Yeah, oh, yeah. I do. Yep. Yeah, I don't. I, I exclusively buy Costco <laughs> chicken now, the rotisserie chicken, because it's $5, my inflation's zero. Well, Bobby won't let me go. I buy chocolate and potato chips, so <laughs> I don't get to go to the store. But she does tell me every time she comes back about how much stuff has gone up. Oh, yeah. And the pressure on the person making a weekly salary, and especially at the lower end where they're getting the $15 an hour or whatever, and they see these things that say their, their pay's gone up, 
but when you measure it against inflation, they're behind. It's a net loss. They're mm-hmm. losing about 3% a year right now. And why the politicians can't see that and shape up, think about the country, think about the people in this country, it just kind of upsets me, Spence. I mean, geez, oh. goal. Yeah. Uh, both of us. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think anyone likes inflation, obviously. And I think, unfortunately, we've talked about inflation pretty much every show because everyone's feeling it. What's been kind of more interesting to me is what the Federal Reserve's starting to do now because mm-hmm. of it, right? It was a big deal when the Fed would move up their interest rate by 0.25%. And then it was, all right, we're going to go for 0.5%. Everyone was, whoa, they're going above the normal. Then it was 0.75%. And now this comes through, and now they're talking about 1%. Yeah. And you see that. I'm not sure how much people track what that means. A lot of people have already seen it with like the mortgage rates, but now you're starting to see things like high yield savings accounts continue to creep up. Still not that great. Like an Ally Bank or a Marcus by Goldman Sachs, it's like 1.1 to 1.4. But you can see things like a one year treasury bill or something going up to 3%. So unfortunately, inflation is horrible. But at this point, what's more interesting to me is to see how the Fed's going to combat it and what it's going to do to some of the other fixed income options. Yeah. So to both of those points, despite inflation, still a good time to be a saver, at least better than it was in the sense that there's more opportunities, but not a good time to be a borrower. The debt side of the ledger starting to get a lot more expensive. Well, it takes more than the Fed to fix this. I agree. Definitely. Well, unfortunately, we're coming up on our first break here. When we come back, we'll get into the main topic for today. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. This is your host, Cole Hammock. Before we went to break, we were discussing inflation, some of the pressures we're feeling, the uh, corresponding interest rate adjustments. Spencer, I think you had one more point you wanted to bring up before we... Yeah, I just had just one with it because I've heard it a lot recently. I've heard we're, there's a lot going on. So it's like inflation's really high. People are afraid of a recession. The stock market's not doing so hot. The one thing I like about our show is I feel like we do a good job of trying not to spook people. So I will just say this. I've heard a lot of people talking about inflation and a recession and I've heard there's no safe haven, and I know a lot of people are panicking. Should you keep investing? Do you put money in cash? What do you do? I will just say, hopefully, when you think about that question, as far as do you continue to invest or do you leave money in cash, inflation readings at 9.1%. What you spend your money on, your inflation may be 5%. It could be 13%. Who knows? Just don't get caught up too much in the current environment. It could be this way for a little bit. It could be this way for a while. But if you start to get into the fear mode too much and you're just hoarding cash that earns 1% or 3% and your inflation's more like 5% or 13%, there's not really any upside for playing it too – don't be fearful. I'm not saying don't be conservative and know what you're doing, but just don't let yourself get talked into not continuing to invest and keep the long-term approach despite all these kind of discouraging headlines. So, great point because when people get emotional – whether it be anger or fear or whatever, then they always make big mistakes. Right. Mm-hmm. And one of the big mistakes is, you know, I lived through this already and I'm still here. And there are a lot of people who lived through it and it might've been tough, but we got through it. Mm-hmm. I remember buying treasury bonds back then where I was making almost 20% per year interest. 
So maybe we'll see that come back, and you can begin to take uh, take that opportunity. But uh, surely don't give up on the stock market. Absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, that's a pitfall right there, adjusting your financial plan <laughs> yeah. due to short-term adjustments in the world or short-term things. So great work, Spencer. We're off to a strong start yeah, today. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Uh, and I, I love this, too. It seems fitting that I'm hosting this topic uh, because it was just, uh, I think, four months ago maybe that it had financial windfalls. So here we are doing financial pitfalls. Uh, so a pitfall is anything that has a negative impact on a, a financial plan that you may or may not see or think of. Uh, so, Spencer, is a, a pitfall the end of the world? Uh, no, I don't think so. And that actually that was a good question. I let in what I was going to say. I think the obvious one, like I kind of opened with, was the have a plan and work it. Mm-hmm. I think that also ties into the whole continuous aspect of everything, right? If you make a pitfall, but you don't catch it head on, right? And you just let it sit there and fester for two years or three years, it's probably going to become a worse and worse pitfall and you're not going to get ahead of it, right? If you have a, a credit card debt and you just let it sit there and continue to grow and yep. accrue interest, right? That's a potential pitfall. But if you adjust lifestyle, get eventually pay it off, right? You can keep it moving and, and progress past it. So no, it's definitely not the end of the world. And I think that's the other value of whether it's your own financial plan or if you're working with a financial planner, it needs to be continuous review. And that kind of helps you from veering off the highway. Maybe you hit a rumble strip and then you find your way back on, right? Yep. Great answer. Very good. John here, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think it's many of these pitfalls that set the course for your career about, what was it, 57 years ago? Is that why you got into to doing what you're doing, just seeing people – uh, maybe they're sold products or they, they don't really know what they're doing. 57 years ago? Time flies when you're having fun, huh? Holy mackerel, I'm really old. Okay. So is this what got me going? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I it just There was something about it. I was kind of thrust into this by accident. Mm-hmm. And so I began to try to help people. And as I did, it became more and more encompassing. And uh, there was a lawyer that I knew back in Cleveland 100 years ago. <laughs> and he kind of helped me with some stuff. And so uh, as a result, I tend to be organized and I began to organize. The first step was to organize the data. Yeah. And that was the big place. Most people, if you ask them where anything is, they don't know. And so when people die, it's a tremendous burden on the executor to find even the will or the deeds or the life insurance policies or the letter of instructions mm-hmm. or all that other good stuff. And so that was a big, so I began to organize the data and I created this, we didn't have that, uh, all the fancy stuff that we have now, but back then I had this uh, box that lawyers used to use to put documents in. Sure. And so I created 10 folders for that box and I began to sort stuff out and then that allowed me in an organized manner to review everything. And as you could review it in its whole, then you could apply it to the whole plan and see what was good, bad, or indifferent. So I kind of stumbled into it, Cole, and built from there. As, as Bob Ross would say, that was a happy accident, <laughs> not just an accident. Um, but the, the, the tenfold that you reference, it's, it's a great means by which to stay comprehensive because you can't just look at one of those and you know set the others aside, but everything flows through together. So yes. it's all a, a working, breathing process here. And that's really how I want to approach today and make sure we're uh, covering all of our bases. So. We've actually started by talking a lot of general pieces, so I figured we would get into the more specialized now, and I think we'll start with the income cycle. 
All right, so that we probably bring up the cash flow worksheet in every radio show we run. Wait a minute, Tony's not here. He's not here. So he, hopefully he hears it. He's smiling. Um, we bring it up because generally people aren't properly tracking what goes out the door, and that's a pitfall. Uh, so most people, they, they know what they're making, what's deposited into the bank account, but uh, very few actually know how much they're spending, and even fewer know how they're spending. What's, uh, what's wrong with that picture? Well, the truth is that uh, I would question your phraseology here. They're not, they're not directing where their money goes. And that's really what it's all about. If you're going to succeed financially, you have to know where your money goes. If you're, if you're a carpenter and you're building a house, you have to have a, you have a nail or screws and you know where they go Yeah, and you don't put the screw in the well kind of a thing. <laughs> so the same thing is true with your financial plan. You need to know where stuff goes. You need to analyze it. You need some help, get some help, have some other advisors, an attorney, an accountant. You have a life insurance specialist. You have a, a disability insurance specialist. Hopefully you have a, a quality financial planner and some other things like that. And you're making good decisions and you're directing where your money should go. So you have control is what you're saying, not letting you, your money control you, you. You never have control. Okay, well, that's, okay yeah. because we're people. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Spencer goes off to the Bahamas on his honeymoon. And Unbelievable. That's no control. He just blew a whole bunch of <laughs> money there. <laughs> I try to tell him not to, but no, no one listens to me. <laughs> I'm telling you. So, no, it's not control. You, you just you do what you can. I mean, when you walk down sure. the street, you don't have control. Right. Okay, that's a fair point. I think it helps ease the stress level a decent amount, too. <laughs> That probably does not sound like what most people think um, when you start tracking the expenses. But whenever you – I'll start from like the younger person perspective, right? I know a ton of people, um, you start working, you just put in money to the 401K or whatever it is, get the match, you feel good about what you're doing, you're starting to save, leave it at that. No one really tracks their expenses. I get it. However, if you don't track your expenses and then somewhere down the line, like Cole, you said, your income comes in, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. What if all of a sudden that changes? You don't know what you're spending or where you're spending it. And it's going to be 10 times more stressful than I know what I'm spending. Here's what my income was and what I was able to get by with. All of a sudden it completely changed. You can grapple with that a little bit better than if you're going in blind. It's just a Absolutely. lot more stressful. Yeah. And hopefully, I, well, not hopefully, but with covid right the the two years of the pandemic yeah. hopefully that was a, a fire lit under a lot of people because we saw very quickly coming out of that a lot of things in the world changed in fact i even saw recently due to inflation that, that there's been a 32 percent increase in credit card usage as a means to cope with that so it's very important that you're paying attention to what you're spending how you're spending and maybe not necessarily controlling it because there's only so much anybody <laughs> can do but do your best that's all anybody can ask for so uh, we'll continue this conversation when we return, but we're coming up on our second break here. Uh, you're listening to Managing Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. Welcome back. You're listening to Managing Be Wealthy. This is your host, Paul Hammack. I'm here with fellow certified financial planners, Spencer Hager, and we are joined today by John Sestina. Uh, so if you'd like to learn more about managing to be wealthy in Johnny, Sestina, and company, you can contact us at 614-326-3077 or visit us on the web at managingtobewealthy.com. Uh, if you'd like a complimentary consultation with one of our planners, fill out a brief questionnaire. We'll set up a time to meet with you and go from there. Uh, you can also find and listen to our previous podcast and see information about our team. So go on, click around, and hopefully take action. 
And also, and I cannot stress this enough, don't forget to pick up any one of John's books. John, what's the the catalog look like? We're up to three books, yeah? No, only five. Only, oh, oh. <laughs> where did those come from? Yeah, only five. <laughs> so go to where, anywhere you buy books, look for John Sestina, because they provide a lot of additional context to what we're discussing on these shows and help you start your own financial plan. Uh, so for those just joining us today, we're discussing financial pitfalls, and we'll be shifting into the, the net worth side of the ledger. So net worth being what you own minus what you owe. So, Spencer, I'll pass this one off to you to let you start us here. What's a, a pitfall we see on the, the net worth side, whether it's assets or, or liabilities? Um, that's a good one. I feel like John should be the one who tackles uh, buying a house prematurely. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think with net worth in general, just it's important not to overwhelm yourself too quickly. Um, Meaning just don't overload yourself with debts too quickly, and debts usually correlate to the other side of the balance sheet, right? You're buying too many assets and trying to leverage yourself to do it. So I just think a big pitfall I see is people immediately graduate college. They have a ton of student loans with Mm -hmm. a not not helpful or generous interest rate, and I uh, I don't besmirch anyone for wanting to buy a house or buy a nice car or Whatever it is, but I just think the biggest problem is people overload themselves with debt. Something changes, whether it's income or health or you name it, and all of a sudden you've got no flexibility. And that's kind of what I think about with financial planning all the time. It's getting organized. It's making sure you're on top of it, but also just trying to create as much flexibility as possible. And I think if you don't know what you're doing, you can really reduce your flexibility by doing some of those things on the net worth side. Well, on Tuesday afternoon, I have a little radio show on this WTVN 610. <laughs> All right. And uh, I had a little topic there talking about the largest purchases you make in your financial life. And do you realize people don't even think about that? They go to buy a house. How? Emotionally. Yeah. Always. Okay. Uh, how about the car? The car is another large purchase in your life. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are significant purchases. And what about health insurance? If you're going to have your own business, you have to have health insurance. You go on the exchange, and what is the premium for that stuff? About twelve grand. It's not yeah. cheap. Okay, yep. so you have that going on, and you have some other things that you're going to be spending money on now, mm-hmm. and people don't think about the now. Once again, I'm going to go back to being anticipating what's going on in your life. So if all these things are just out on a scatter pattern, and you just oh I'm going to go buy a car, and we're all excited, then your plan's going to fall apart because you're putting stress factors that you don't need. And that adds up to your your debt problem, Spence, because you're probably going to take a loan on the car, probably take a mortgage on the house, probably take a loan on everything else you're buying when you're young, and now you spend the rest of your life digging out of that hole. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah so, I mean, to that point, say that the best thing you can do is take emotion out of the equation as much as possible, the equation, uh, because... When it becomes or it comes down to finances, you want to be objective. Well, specifically prepare for those things. Yeah. If you like yeah. a home and a home is nice, so but save up for it. Uh, approach it objectively. Save up for it. Same with the car. Mm-hmm. So everything else. If you could save in advance for the things a family normally buys in its financial life, you realize you'd save about a million dollars. <laughs> we in talked about charges. that. Mm-hmm. So unreal. Act act maturely. I'll just say this too, and I want to get very specific with these pitfalls too, but I think 99% of the pitfalls we talk about, a huge problem, and I think it's just a 
I don't want to say societal problem. It's just maybe how we a lot of people in our culture approach finances, and it's why I talked on cliches a couple of shows ago. Uh, your plan is not the same as anyone else's. You don't know. That's a great point. You don't know what support what someone else had to get to the same spot in life that you are. And so don't feel that because someone else, you know, appears someone bought a house and they have a car and they're this, this, and this, that you should be on that same level. Maybe your time's different. Same as you shouldn't feel like a fool because your friend hit it big with crypto or an individual stock and you just put money into the 401k. So I think the other part is just put your blinders on and focus on your own plan. Be educated, know what you're doing, but at the same time, don't let other all the noise around you drive you to making a decision that maybe wasn't ready for you yet. Very good point. Yeah, because I've had a similar conversation with someone not all that long ago. It's sometimes people just get lucky, right? And right. The, the last thing you want to do is develop a financial plan around trying to get lucky. <laughs> yeah, right. You buy the lotto ticket for that, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. How many do you, you just about a hundred of those, right? That increases your odds. About a thousand, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we'll we'll do uh, one more. It's it's a general one. So obviously, this uh, pitfall might not be the same for everybody, but. Uh, the adjustable rate mortgages and the the new and improved forty year mortgages. John, I see you put your head down. I'm sure oh, you're thrilled to hear about a forty year mortgage. <laughs> but you know, people are, are maybe suckered in a little bit, or people chase the lower interest rates of the adjustable rates, or they see the lower payments of the forty years. But that's how you pay a lot of money over the life of that loan. You might be buying the house twice. Well, you don't even have to go that far. What is the loan t- term? On cars these days. I think the longest I've seen might be 84 months, seven yes. years. Can you believe that? Seven years? Well, that car is going to rust out, even though cars don't rust anymore <laughs> in that period of time. So that's uh, yeah, yeah, the, a great point. People are financing everything. Mm-hmm. And see when uh, – it's hard to go. But back in the Stone Age when I was growing <laughs> up, there were a lot of things you could not finance. Do you know there were not even there was not even a Mastercard or Visa card? How'd you buy anything? Cash. <laughs> and, and that's why nope. you couldn't afford anything. <laughs> <laughs> so we need a little more of that. This one, I think there's so many things. I'm going to sound like a real old fogey here. Okay. So many things we need to go back to. That's why I watch Gunsmoke every night. <laughs> <laughs> because you know there were values. And there were laws, and there was an understanding, and we don't do that anymore. And there's mainly there was respect. And the problem now is we don't respect each other, you know, sure. but whether it be political or whatever you want to pick on. Just we used to have arguments and questions, but then you'd go shake the buddy's hand and go, if you were a drinker, go to the bar and have a beer. Yeah, you had discourse. You did. My dad, like my dad used to say, you make your best friends in a bar fight. I would have loved to meet your dad. Uh, he was dad. amazing. And so he would. they would go and they would fight, <laughs> spend their paychecks, and then they'd be buddies. It it's a like, different time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> time to be alive. It was a different time, and that's my point. Yeah. We have drifted away from some of the values that make a difference. All right. John, we're coming up on the last minute here of this segment, but uh, to pick on maybe one thing on the, the business side that people might uh, fall into an issue there, I'll let you take that one because you've been, you've been doing this a while. Business. Most people, uh, you know, especially our politicians, don't know anything about business. And that's part of the challenge. Part of the contribution to this inflation is the lack of business knowledge. So we need people to have uh, an understanding of business. I've always said that if you're making less than 50000 a year, you need a second business because you need the money. 
you're making more than 50000 a year, you need a second business because you need the tax deductions. So that's enough for now. <clears throat> I love that to end on. Well, I know we have uh, some several, uh, several more points coming up after the break here. We'll get into estate planning. We'll get into insurances to round off. So we're here on our final break. We'll continue the conversation when we come back. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. This is your host, Cole Hammock, and we're into our final segment. So to close out today, uh, we'll start with insurances so pitfalls in the insurance uh, side of a financial plan so i'll start pass it over to you guys uh so i'm going to go and pick on just not uh, reviewing the insurance i think a lot of people generally get pretty complacent about what they have what they're paying you know they will pick on auto insurance homeowners insurance whatever they're going to send you the bill you're going to pay it go on about your life but uh what i've seen is usually it's recommended that you shop those out Every year, if we want to be frequent about it, every three years, if maybe we want to put it on the back burner, but uh, it's a great way to just kind of let money go out the door and not think anyway or anything about it. I mean, I agree with that. I think with a lot of the topics too, ideally with insurance, you can get a good team around you. Uh, if it's auto, home insurance, personal articles for something valuable like jewelry, ideally you have a good agent or a broker, maybe preferably. Definitely a broker. Right. Yep. And, well, some people like their agents. Yeah. Um, but right, have someone. What's who, the difference between a broker and an agent? Good point. So agents generally subservient to one company. So if you have like a State Farm agent, they're probably only going to be able to do State Farm policies. Maybe the same deal for Progressive, um, USA. You, you generally just have to call the number and you get who you talk to. Whereas a broker can do the work for you instead of you having to shop around with six different providers. They'll do it for you and bring the best offer to you. Um, and then like a common one with auto insurance. I mean, there's a lot of it. Some people have their deductibles at $250, right? You have your collision sure. deductible at 250 You get into an accident. You have to cover the first 250 Most people say, eh, if I got in an accident, it only cost 600 bucks. I wouldn't file a claim. I would just do it. Eh, maybe yeah. switch the deductible. Or you ask someone, do you need the towing and labor? Are you paying for AAA coverage? Ah, actually, I'm doing both. Okay, well, let's get rid of one of them. So ideally, you have someone who's doing their job looking over your shoulder to do that. Regardless, definitely important to know what, what you're paying for. Great points. So it's good to go in the, in the magazines and sign up for health insurance from one of these groups. You know, they want you to buy that. Yeah, <laughs> Due diligence past a certain point. I mean, I would say if you're looking for an auto home umbrella broker, you best way in my mind is if you can find someone who will refer you to someone. That's ideal. If you can't find that, probably is a Google search. Call a, different, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of different brokers, see which one's a good fit, and then see how it goes. Health insurance side, too, John, to your point, uh, you know, you also want to work with a broker, but there are a lot out there that don't charge you right. for their services. There's some out there that do. I don't see a reason in the world to work with them. So make sure you know who you're working with, what services they So you don't want to work with. with a broker? Is that what you uh, said? Not, not the ones that are charging me. <laughs> oh, okay. That would, that's clear. Yeah, no, I got I'm going to work with the ones that- I'm a little slow. You said, you know, broker, broker, and then you said don't work with them. Yeah, you're, you're doing your best, John. Okay. Yep, you're, you're on it. <laughs> Well, here, let me let me pick on whole life insurance while we're talking about. Pitfalls. Oh, your favorite. Yeah, you know it's uh, 
The only thing certain in life is whole life. John. No, it's, it's, it's so ridiculous. It's, it's one of those things where people are generally sold a whole life insurance policy. Very seldom do people actually buy it uh, because more often than not, people don't really need life insurance their entire life. So we've seen more often than not when people come to us with whole life insurance policies is they're paying a lot for that coverage, really not getting a lot out of it. So there's a, a phrase in the industry, term and invest the difference. That's a great way to go about it because generally you just need life insurance for what you've not yet saved. So not your entire life, but maybe you get to retirement or set. Uh, we get our kids through college. We've uh, paid off the mortgage, those things. We don't need life insurance anymore. Let the term lapse. Let the policy go and you invested the additional along the way. You generally come out ahead. Yeah, I would say with whole life, 99% of the time, it probably doesn't make sense. Maybe it does. Um, once again, I would just say if you do have whole life, do, I generally say don't let yourself get trapped in the mentality that because you paid for a term policy that's locked in for 30 years and you don't have to cash in on it because you didn't die in 30 years, that does not mean you threw away money. It's a victory. Right. And the whole life policies, the reason we generally aren't big fans is, A, it's generally more expensive for the coverage you're getting. Um, to your point, Cole, it uh, – to your point, you probably don't need it forever, more than mm -hmm. likely. That's why I said 99%. It does make sense. And then you'll hear a lot of times people will say, like, uh, use it to invest. And you know, it could be a rich man's Roth IRA. I won't expand upon that in the last five minutes. But there's a lot of catches with that. And so yeah. just know what you're paying for and don't get caught up in the, the sales hits. And the other thing is talk to more than one insurance person. Yeah, definitely. Because they, they will. And w without trying to... Uh, belittle them or cause them any embarrassment you might want to go to agent a and say give me a proposal and then go to agent b and say give me a proposal and go to agent c and get a proposal and then you take those proposals and you give a's proposal to b you say what do you think about that you're not doing it to embarrass him you're doing it to learn see what are the pitfalls if any and so you can make a better decision then you go to uh, c and you say analyze b's and so where you go, by the time you do that three times, you're going to know life insurance. Yeah. And you're going to know what you need mm -hmm. and what it costs and so on and so forth. So that's a good exercise. You have to be involved. It's your money. No one cares about your money more than you do. So as good as you have advisors, always keep that in mind. You need to learn. Uh, excellent point. That's why education is so important. That's why we're doing this. But uh, definitely shop things out, whether it's life insurance, auto, homeowners, uh, umbrella, anything. Uh, be educated. Uh, so at the last uh, few minutes here, we'll transition into estate planning, close out on this, uh, just because so much can go wrong if we don't get this right. Um, and it can lead to a lot of headaches, heartaches for those we leave behind. So I'll lead with a simple one, but uh, having a, a personal story to it, hopefully we'll make it connect a little bit more. Uh, so my daddy passed away August of 2019. Uh, so we're coming up on four year, or three years of that, which is insane to me, but uh, he was 60 years old, didn't have an estate plan in place. So he divorced uh, a long time ago. I'm the oldest son. He never remarried. Uh, so me trying to muddle through everything the best I could, it still took me eight months. Oh, yeah. And my dad, he had about as close to nothing as you can. He had a 2006 Ford Focus worth maybe two grand, and I'd be generous saying two grand in a bank account. And it still took eight months working with a probate court to get everything resolved there. So if you can, if you're listening to this, if you haven't done it, get an estate plan in place. 
there's four basic documents. There's a will, a financial power of attorney, a health care power of attorney, and a living will. It really does make all the difference. It really does. I had an aunt, similar story, who I was kind of her helper, watching out for her. And when she passed, she had a house, kind of, okay? <laughs> mm-hmm. and she had no car and nothing else. Yeah. And so when she passed, I had to be, I was supposed to be the executor. Sure. So I went to the uh, uh, courts and so forth and found out that in Dayton, at least, in Montgomery County, you had to pay an attorney X dollars as a fee. There was a set fee in place. Yeah. Her estate, if you took everything, including her socks, couldn't have been worth more than $10,000. Mm-hmm. So you don't want that to happen to people behind. Talk about stuff to your family. Let them know where you are Definitely. so that you don't run into what Cole ran into, that you can attend to some of the stuff, get the feelings of the ones who are left behind. Spence? I mean, no, I agree completely. Uh, I know we're coming in on the last minute here, but I would just say with the estate plan, obviously, you need to have something in place. Um, if you can't afford it, obviously, work with an attorney, someone who specializes in estate planning, uh, not just Great some point. random person off the street who has a law degree. So, But no, I would just say, um, yeah, you work with an attorney, know what you're doing, get educated. But with the estate plan, it's probably one of the more important ones to work with the advisor. Absolutely. And then that's probably my main takeaway. Yeah, especially when you have young children. <laughs> last thing you want is to, to let the court decide what happens if something happens to you. So get or it right, you... do it now. And uh, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. So you've been listening to Managing to be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN.